Uh, just a couple of, couple of reminders for, for the rules. Okay, we, I want to make sure you guys remember the rules. Um, I want you guys to stay with the big group from 6.30 to 7. Okay, so that means if we're, if we're playing here as a big group, you should be in here. Not wandering around, not doing your own thing. If we are playing down there outside on the soccer field, you should be down there, not sitting in the couch here on your phone. Okay, from 6.30 to 7, we're just one big group. It doesn't mean that, you know, it, we're not forcing you to play Frisbee or anything like that, but, but you need to be with, with the big group, okay? Um, from, from, seven, from 7 to 8, okay, that, that one hour, that's when we split into our D groups, our small groups, and you need to stay with that group, okay? You need to stay with your friends. You need to stay with, with, your, with your leaders. Um, you can't be... You know, you can't be getting here at, at you know, 7.10 because you want to skip the game time. And you get here at 7.10, your group already started, and you're, and you're embarrassed to go in there, so you're just wandering around on campus. You, you can't do that. Okay, is, is that clear? Okay. Uh, for your safety for, for, uh, and for the, you know, what we're trying to accomplish on Wednesday night. So... Can you guys pass this around? Make sure everybody gets one. Uh, that has that has my email, my phone number. If you guys have have any needs or any questions or your parents, and that has uh, the the breakdown of the D group. So you know your leaders, so you know who you're with, and you know the the room where you're going to be meeting. Sounds good. I want you guys to pull out your, your bookmark. Look at the, the bookmark that, that we uh, put together as a schedule. Um, so tonight is the 11th, so you have opening night. Uh, you didn't have to read anything. You didn't have to do anything before you, you showed up tonight. Next Wednesday, the 18th, it says introduction. That means you're going to read the introduction of this book. Okay, the introduction of this book, and then you come to the, uh, you, you show up the 18th, and you have read the, the introduction, and then the 25th, it says what? Chapter 1, so read chapter 1 of this book, okay? So, um, make sure you, you don't lose this if you, you know, you can take a picture of it with your phone, so you always have it. And then if you look at October 6th, that's free night, so we still split up, uh, but you can do whatever you want with your group, uh, whatever your leaders want to do with you guys. Uh, that can, you know, whatever you guys want to talk about, what, you know, what, whatever you want to do. Uh, the 24th of November, that's Thanksgiving week, so we're not meeting. And then December 8th, we're not meeting because I think I think that sounds a like Christmas weekend, so there's a lot of prep and all those things. And then the 15th is our, our last Wednesday night, and that's our Christmas party. Okay, and then we have a couple of weeks break, and then we start back in January. Uh, questions about the schedule? Sounds good? Okay, what I want to talk to you about tonight is our goals for for uh, for Wednesday night, okay? And it's not that it's not that these things that I'm going to share with you only apply to Wednesday night, but it also apply to it, they also apply to everything that we do as a ministry. So Sunday morning, every time you meet with a leader, you know, all, all the time. But but I want to share them with you tonight, so that so that every Wednesday night. When, or when you're reading the book or when you're, you're studying the passage that you guys are going to discuss, this is, this is in your mind, you're thinking about it. Why are we doing what we're doing, okay? Why are we meeting every Wednesday night? Why are we uh, going to church for D groups? Why, why, why is that a priority? So that's kind of what I want to talk to you about tonight. Um, it's simple. I just have three. I was thinking about it this this uh, this morning and this afternoon, uh, what would be the goals of our ministry on Wednesday nights? And 
I, I came up with three, okay? So if you're taking notes, it's simple. Just three, three goals for, for discipleship groups, okay? Uh, the first one is, what do you guys think? We meet for discipleship. Good, good job, right? We call it D groups, but the D really stands for discipleship, right? So that's the first goal. The first goal uh, for Wednesday night and this semester is discipleship. Now, what, what is discipleship, guys? What is discipleship? How would you explain that to someone? If they say, hey, you go to church? Yeah, we do. Do you have anything that you do other than Sunday morning? Yeah, we, we have a Wednesday night uh, D group. What is that? Oh, it's a discipleship group. What is discipleship? Yeah, I've been going there for three years. What do you guys do? What is it? What's discipleship? What would you guys say? Yeah, Pookie. Is it like teaching people? Teaching people? Okay, good. Yes? Yeah, learning, learning how to become more like Jesus Christ, right? Which involves teaching and modeling and, and all, those, all those other aspects. But you're right. It's to, discipleship is to learn more about God's Word so that you can become more like Jesus Christ. Okay, you can't become more like Jesus Christ if you are not learning God's Word because everything that you know, should know, and are going to know about Jesus Christ, you'll 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 know from God's Word, okay? Do you guys understand that? You're not, there, there's nothing about Jesus Christ that you're going to know outside of God's Word. Everything about Jesus Christ is right here. So discipleship is to, is to learn or study God's Word so that you can become more like Jesus Christ. So that's discipleship, okay? That's discipleship. That's what we do uh, here in student ministry. Now, how does discipleship happen? How does that happen in, in our ministry, in our group, Wednesday night? How, how, how does that happen? How does that play out? Who uh, was the best discipler in the Bible? The best one. Jesus, right? Did he have disciples? Yeah, how many? 12, right? He started with 12. How did he disciple them? What did he do? Yes, CJ. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he taught them, right? He taught them God's word and he modeled it to them. Um, yeah, that's how discipleship happens, and that's, that's, that's what we're trying to aim here. It, discipleship happens when, when a younger uh, person, you know, age, or younger in their faith, like, like, you know, hasn't been a Christian for a long time, is learning from someone who's older, you know, you can say age, or someone who's been a Christian for a lot longer, right? So, so that's what Jesus did with the 12 disciples. So, Discipleship happens when the younger person is learning from the older person. You can, you can also explain it this way. It's when the less mature person is learning from the more mature person. That's why you have who in your discipleship groups? Leaders. They're just not there to babysit you guys, make sure that you don't wander around you know, on campus until, you're, until your parents are done with their thing. Does that make sense? Why do you think your, your leaders are older than you and not someone who, who's in college? Yes. They know more. Yeah. They know more about God's word. They're, 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 they're becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. That's why you can learn from them and you can follow their example. Does that make sense? Um, that's... That's how we're trying to accomplish this discipleship on Wednesday nights is to, for you guys who are younger, less mature, to have time, an hour at least, right, in a group setting with your leaders who are older, 
and more mature, more Christ-like than you. Does that make sense? So I don't want you guys to treat your leaders as your peers. You know, like you're like, I'm not saying that they can't be your friends, but they're not, they're not just your friends. They're not like your peers. They're your leaders. Does that make sense? They're not, they're not your leaders. Sometimes parents are, are, you know, are prone to do that with their kids. When their kids are being disobedient and their kids are angry and their kids are you know, just waiting to turn 18 so they can leave the home, the temptation for the, for the parents is to not become leaders and disciples anymore, but become peers. They start like acting like them. They start dressing like them. They start doing the things that their kids do so that they become peers so that their kids don't feel like, like there's animosity between them. So your leaders are older than you for a reason. They're, they're more mature f- than you for a reason. But the beauty of that is that you're, you're together with them so that you can become more like Jesus Christ as you learn God's word from them. Does that make sense? So that's how it happens. Okay, it happens... Um, when the young, the younger is learning from the older and the less mature is learning from the more mature. Now, how can you personally promote discipleship in your group, in your little group? You know, you may have seven other girls and two leaders. How can you personally promote discipleship in that, in the next semester, in the next year, every week? How, what, what should you do to promote it? Good. Ask questions. Good. That's a great, that's a great answer. Yes. Answer questions. No. <laughs> there, there are a lot of ways to, pr- to promote discipleship in your group. Um, I have, I, I, I jot down three, okay? I think this is going to be helpful to you guys. Number one, you need to be honest and transparent about your life. Okay, you need to be honest and transparent about your life. If your leaders who are older and more mature are trying to help you know God's word more so that you can become more like Jesus Christ and you're not transparent and honest about your life, then they, they really can't help you that much, right? So it's a smaller group with your peers and with your leaders so that, so that, you, so that you feel you should feel comfortable uh, to be transparent and honest about your life because that's what discipleship is, right? It means that, okay, I'm, I, I don't have experience here. Uh, I'm struggling with this sin right here. Um, you know, I'm not handling this well. Uh, I don't know this yet from the Bible. And then your leader comes along and says, okay, that's great. You know, let, let me show you. Let me teach you. If you're not honest and transparent about those things, then he or she, the leader, can't really, you know, what, what, is, what is he going to do? It, it, it ends up being just a book study. You know, how was, how was this semester? It was good. You know, did you, did you feel like you grew more in the areas of your life that you struggle in? No, but it was a good book study. You know, you don't want that, okay? You don't want that. It's not about, it's not all about our minds and intellect. It's about our, our heart and the transformation from the inside out. So that's one way you can promote discipleship. You're honest and transparent about your life. Secondly, you, you have a humble and teachable attitude. Okay? You have a humble and teachable attitude. Okay? If you're being honest and transparent about your life and your leader is giving you instructions from God's Word, you, it, you need to be humble about receiving those things. And you need to be teachable also. And that's the attitude that you want to have. And then, and then if, if your friend, your peer is sharing the same thing, right? She's honest and she's being transparent. You can't be, you can't be all prideful and, you know, have a know-it-all attitude. Oh, she's struggling with that. Wow. Wow. Surprise, surprise. I'm not, you know. And then your leader asks a question, right? And no one's answering. And you're like, how come they don't know the answer? I know the answer, but I always answer the question. So you can't have a prideful and know-it-all, self-righteous kind of attitude. You need to have a humble and teachable attitude. Number three, another way to promote discipleship in your group, you, you need to diligently put in the work. Okay? You need to diligently put in the work. Do you guys put in the work um, 
at your school, either homeschool or private school, charter school, public school, you, you guys put in the work? Why do you guys put in the work? Why do you buy the books, do the homework, do the assignments, show up, you know, study for your tests? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it has a benefit for your future, for your life, right? Now, you know, it, it, it amazes me when, when we go to church and then there's work and, we, and we're not diligently putting in the work. Yet, yet, if discipleship is to know God's word so that you can become more like Jesus Christ, if that's the goal, if that's what discipleship is, and yet we're not willing to put in the work, are we really going to learn God's word and are we really going to become like Jesus Christ? No, right? Yeah, we go to school, we do our homework, we study hard because we want that college degree so that we can get that job, so that we can make money, so that we can provide. Well, that's great, but that pales in comparison to the goal of discipleship and the benefits of discipleship. So put in the work. I know you guys are in school um, and we're giving you another book. We're giving you homework, right? We're studying Genesis. I mean, it's an Old Testament book, right? Why can't we study like Ephesians, <laughs> right? And that's a lot of work. That's, that's, that's hard work. But if, but if you value the benefits of that, the, the benefits of discipleship, you, you better believe it. You, you need to put in the hard work that it, that it, uh, that's necessary. I mean, think about it. Your, your leaders work full time, right? So, some of them have, you know, four, five, three kids right? Uh, some of them, you know, meet with, with other guys and ladies for one-on-one discipleship before they go to work, right? If they are showing up, you know, putting in the work, you should be showing up, you know, having put the work also. Does that make sense? So that's, I think, I think those are three helpful ways to promote the culture of discipleship in your little group with your peers and your leaders, Okay. You need to be honest and transparent about your life so that, so that they can actually move you along to become more like Jesus Christ. And you need to be, you need to be humble and teachable, right? You can't have you know, the opposite attitude. And you need to put in the work, okay? So if, you, if, if you're asking me, okay, what, what are the ways that will prevent discipleship in my group? Just flip-flop those things. Okay, number one, you don't, you don't share your failures and victories over sin. That, that prevents true discipleship if you're not sharing those things. You know, how you're doing in your Bible reading, how you're doing in your prayer life, how you're doing with lust, how you're doing with materialism, how you're doing with vanity, how you're doing with comparison with, with, with other girls, how you're doing with social media, how you're doing with all those things. If you're not sharing those things because you're not transparent or honest, then that that actually stunts your discipleship group. Number two, you, you, you have a prideful and a know-it-all kind of attitude, self-righteous. You know, oh, I already know Genesis. You know, oh, I already did this Abeka curriculum when I was two. You know, this is so simple. You know, oh, this kid right, this kid right here, you know, he's annoying or she's annoying. This leader, you know, so boring. He always wants to teach us. Why can't we have, you know, just a lot of fun like the other group? You, you, you can't do that. You know, that's pride and self-righteousness. That's going to prevent discipleship. And thirdly, you don't put in the necessary work. You know, you show up, you haven't read the chapter. You show up, you haven't answered the questions. You show up, you know, you're, you're just not prepared. You know, that's going to that's gonna prevent that culture of discipleship. So, questions about that? That's the first goal, okay, discipleship. That's, what, that's, that's why you guys come, I hope. That's why your leaders are sacrificing their Wednesday night, their time, because that's our goal is discipleship, okay, to learn God's word so that you can become more like Jesus Christ. But there are ways that can prevent that, and there are ways to, to promote that also. And it's up to you. You know, it's up to you. Your leaders can't carry all the weight if you guys are not doing your part. Um, 
Our second goal is studying God's word. Okay, that's why I ask you guys all the time. Okay, make sure you read the chapter. Make sure you guys bring your Bible. Make sure you bring your questions um, because that's, that's, that's another goal of Wednesday night, which is studying God's word. Okay, this year we're going to we're gonna, we're really gonna study Genesis chapters one through eleven. Okay, Genesis has fifty chapters. We're gonna do one through eleven this semester. We're gonna do the the middle next semester, and then we're gonna do the the, the third part another semester. So it's gonna take us a while. Um, but this is this is just a study guide. Okay, what we're really studying is Genesis. Okay, this this helps this. Does that make sense? So, so um, we're going to study chapters 1 through 11, so make sure you always have your Bible and your, your book, okay? Uh, I already went through the, the bookmark. Every, every week, you need to uh, read the chapter in the book, okay? Just, just start with this, because this is going to guide you to, to this, okay? So just study, so just, just, just start with this. So let me give you an example. Go to... Uh, page chapter, uh, page one, okay, page one of the study guide, okay, go there, okay, so this is for August 25th, okay, so before that Wednesday, you don't wait the night before, because um, this is going to take you some time, uh, I tried it, and it, it's, it, you can't do it in five minutes, <laughs> okay, again, there, there's, there's work, but it's, it's good work, beneficial work. So, page one, right? Creation of the world, Genesis chapter one, verses one through chapter two, verse two. You guys see that? Okay, so it starts with a question, right? So what should you do? Answer the question, right? And then it gives you the context, okay, of that section, okay? Chapter one, verse one to chapter two, verse two. It gives you the context. And then look at page two, okay? Under that title, Keys to the Text, what does it say? Read Genesis 1, 1 to 2, 2. So what, you, what should you do before you move on in the study guide? Read that, okay? And then you come back to, to your study guide. You keep reading. You know, he, he explains. It's kind of like a little, uh, little simple commentary, right? So it explains what you just read, and you keep going, and then you get to page seven. Look at page seven. You have questions. So you already read the section from, from Genesis. You already read the, the context and a little bit of the commentary from, from the author of the, the study guide. Now you should be able to answer some of these questions. So you answer those questions, right? And then you keep going, you keep reading. You get to, to page 10. You have more questions. Right, And then you get to page 11, the questions start to change. Now it says personal response. So now this is more like, okay, how, what do you think about it? How do you apply it? The, the first set of questions are more, okay, did you understand what you just read? Right? Did you, just un did you understand it? Those are the, that's, what the, that's, what's the, uh, that's the goal of those first questions. The second um, group of questions is, okay, how are you going to apply it? Are, do you know how to apply this? Okay? And then, and then it's done. And then you have put in the work, right? So, yeah, I wouldn't wait till, you know, Tuesday night or Wednesday morning uh, to do this because it's going to take you some time, okay? Now, with the leaders, it doesn't mean that you take all, you know, the whole one hour just going through the, their answers, you know, the questions and their answers, see, see what you want to ask them and see what is beneficial to the group that they can share. Um, and you can even ask questions that are not in the study guide. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's, that's how you use this to help you understand Genesis. Okay, so just start with this and it's going to tell you what to do. Okay, now read Genesis chapter 2, verse 3, and then you, you do that. Okay? Um, I'll, give you, I'll give you a homework, okay? And it's okay. 
I mean, try it, but it's okay if you don't have this memorized by next Wednesday, okay? And the leaders are going to ask you next Wednesday. If you don't have it memorized, that's fine. Um, you can work on it the whole semester, actually, if you want. But here's your homework. It's not, this is not in the book. I came up with this because this is how I remember the, the whole outline of the book of Genesis, okay? And I'll give it to you, and, um, and I want you to memorize it, okay? So I call this the five C's. Okay, of Genesis, actually, this, only chapters 1 through 11. Um, and then I have another one for 12 through 50. Uh, the five C's of Genesis chapters 1 through 11. Okay, the first one is chapters 1 through t uh, one and 2, starts with letter C. Creation, right? Creation. Uh, that's when you see the first sentence in the beginning, right? God created, and then you have six-day creation, and you have Adam and Eve after that, right? So that's chapters one and two, creation. Uh, what happened after Adam and Eve? Chapter three, verse one, right? Who, who shows up in chapter three, verse one? Now the serpent who was more crafty. Right? It's always been God and Adam and Eve, and now there's another character. And Moses describes this character as someone who's deceitful or crafty. So he enters the story in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. So, so you know, he deceives, right? He deceives Adam and Eve, right? They, 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 eat, the, you know, they eat the forbidden fruit. And then what entered their heart and what entered mankind, what entered you know, earth, when they sinned, when they disobeyed. Such with letter C. Corruption. 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 Do you know this? What? What is it then? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Corruption, okay, that's chapters 3, 4, and 5. Okay, 3, 4, and 5. So you know the story, right? Everything is corrupt. Yes. 3, 4, and 5. Oh, the chapter, you know, now, now, now the serpent who is more crafty, chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, chapters 3, 4, and 5. Yeah. So chapters 1 and 2, creation. 3, 4, 5, corruption. Okay. And, um, and then what happened in, in Genesis chapter 6? Yes. Catastrophe. Why? What was catastrophic about it? The flood, right? Chapter, the, the, the opening, the opening um, uh, verses of chapter 6, Moses, Moses writes, Then the Lord looked at mankind, and everything that was in their hearts was what? Wicked and evil, right? And God was angry, so he sent a flood to punish mankind, except for how many people? How many? Eight, right? Whose family was, was, was that? Moses? Oh, Noah. Okay, good. <laughs> I thought I heard Moses. Moses' ark. No, it's Noah. Noah's family. Only eight. Okay, only eight. Um was saved uh, th during the flood. So that's catastrophe, chapter 6 and 7. Okay? Isaiah, you know the next one? 8, 9, and 10? 8, 9, and 10? Starts with a C. Right? So the flood... Subs Go ahead. Covenant. Yeah. The flood subsides, right? The flood subsides... Right, eight people and you know, and all the an animals on the ark sur sur survived the the flood, and in chapter eight, uh, verse twenty-one, the Lord said, "I will never again curse the ground, and I will never destroy every living thing." Okay, so that's kind of the preview of the Noah Noahic, you know, N O Noah, and then just add I C at the end, Noahic covenant. That's that's the first covenant um, in the Bible. That's kind of a glimpse of it but, it, but he didn't really establish it until the next chapter, chapter 9, verse 11. Uh, God uh, told this to, to Noah, I establish my covenant with you and all flesh, meaning mankind and animals, everything that was a living thing, 
uh, shall never again be cut off by the water of the flood, neither shall there again be a flood to destroy the earth. So that's a covenant. When you hear covenant, because there's another one that's going to come up in chapter 12 next semester, that's the Abrahamic covenant. When you hear that word or read that word covenant, just think, just think of it as mega promise. Okay, that's how I think about it. There's five in, in the Old Testament of, uh, of covenant. You know, you have Noahic covenant, you have Abrahamic covenant, and then you have, um, you have Sinaitic covenant, Mount Sinai, and then you have Davidic covenant, and then you have the new covenant in Jeremiah. Okay, so if when you read or hear covenant, just just think mega promise. God really cares about this promise. It's a mega promise from Him, and He is going to fulfill it. All five of them. Okay, so that's covenant. That's the number four. That's the fourth C. That's eight, nine, and ten. Yes. Hey, you want to come up here and teach? No, no it's kidding. <laughs> Confusion. Is chapter, um, is chapter 11. What happened? Why, why is it confusion? Yes, Pookie. What? Are you lost again? Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, the, crafty is not one of the C's. Sorry. I was just explaining um, the, the opening verse of chapter 3. When the serpent entered the story, now he's more crafty, Moses said. Yes. Yes, 8, 9, and 10, covenant. And we're left with chapter 11, right, which is, uh, according to uh, Professor Isaiah. Now, I'm glad you know this. Just chapter 11 is confusion. Why is it called confusion? What was confusing about it? Yes, other Isaiah. Yeah, the Tower of Babel, right? Now, here's what's interesting thing about that. You know, it, God wasn't just like, ah, let me, have, let me have some fun. Let me just confuse their language. <laughs> Look at them, so confused. You know, uh, a part of God's covenant, right, uh, the Noahic covenant, a part of his covenant was actually a command to, to multiply and scatter. You read that in chapter 8 and chapter 9. And then in chapter 11, right, in chapter 11 you have, I believe, millions of people by now on planet earth what they what what did what didn't they want to do obviously they multiplied but what didn't they want to do scatter they didn't want to scatter they like they're like let's build a big city and all of us will be there one language we're going to do we're going to do everything our way so god confused them so that and, and the result of of having different languages was that they ended up scattering so it was, you know, it was God's doing. So, yeah, you can call that confusion. So what are the, the five C's? Confusion, right? Now, now, now you just got to, you know, plug in the, the chapters in there and, and you'll get it. Okay. The second half of Genesis 12 through 50, uh, I just think of the people. You know, but but we'll we'll get there when we get there. You know, you, you, because chapter chapter twelve, Abraham comes in the picture, uh, Isaac and Jacob, and you know Joseph. So, is that is that a that's a doable homework for next Wednesday? Yeah. Okay. Because you yeah you you guys didn't have homework for for tonight. So, creation, corruption, catastrophe, covenant, and confusion. Okay, so the f what's the first goal of Wednesday night of D groups? Discipleship. Okay, think of ways that you can prevent that or promote that. What's the second goal? Studying, studying God's Word, and we're studying Genesis chapter, chapters 1 through 11. The third goal, the last goal, is building relationships. Okay, building relationships. Okay, discipleship, studying God's Word, and building relationships. Now, as you can tell, right, some of you are so new here. Some groups have, you know, you'll find out next, next Wednesday, some, some groups will have new students, and some groups may even have new leaders, right? So um, that's not to confuse you guys and scatter you all over. Um, it's just how it, 
it worked out. You know, so lots of new faces, lots of new groups and, and leaders with different groups. Um, don't let that, you know, worry you. Don't let that scare you. You know, I, I know you might be shy a little bit and, and embarrassed or whatever. Um, but let that, uh, think of that as more opportunities and privileges for discipleship, right? Think about it that way, okay? I don't want you, I don't want you to approach every Wednesday night, you know, as you guys come here, as something that you have to go to. Oh, what's tomorrow, Mom? It's Wednesday night. We're going to church. Oh, I have to go to church. I don't want you to think of it that way. Uh, oh, my group, you know, the 7th and 8th grade boys. Oh, I have to be with those guys. Um, oh, the seniors, I have to be with them again, you know. So I don't want you guys to think that way. I want you to think this way. I get to go to D groups. I get to go to church tomorrow night. I get to be with those friends, and I get to build new relationships, and I get to, to maintain and improve current relationships and friendships. And I get to be with that leader. Oh, that's a new leader for me. Man, I get to be with that leader. I miss the other one, but man, I have a new one. Okay? I want you guys to start thinking that, that way, not, oh, I have to. Oh, I have to. I guess I have to. I want you to start thinking, man, I get to do this, right? I get to be with those people. Um, so think, think of it that way. Think of, okay, where are the, the opportunities where I can build new relationships, right? Make new friends and, um, and improve upon and maintain or even, even um, uh, uh, improve the, the current friends that I have now. I'll give you three ways to do this, okay? Building, building relationships. How do you do this? Okay, how do you do this? Number one, you need to prefer one another, okay? I'll be done here in a few minutes, uh, but I want you guys to actually go to these passages. How do you build relationships, new ones and old ones? Number one, prefer one another. Go to Philippians chapter two. Because I, I get it, guys, you know, like, it's by gender, and it's by grade, and I'm assigning you the leaders. And, you know, you, you're going to be with some people who you're not going to click, some people you don't prefer to be with unless you were, you know, forced to be in that group. I understand that, okay? But, but you, you're not going to promote discipleship. You're not going to be willing to study God's Word, and you're not going to really invest in your relationships if you think that way. Okay, so I think these principles are going to be helpful. You need to prefer one another. So Philippians chapter 2, okay, how do you do that? Okay, you're looking, at, you're looking at this new kid in front of you, you know, and he's not schooled the way you're schooled, right? And you're looking at this girl next to you. She's always the one who's talking, right? And then you're looking at this other kid, you know, next to you. And they never say anything, you know. Um, and then, you know, two months from now, you see this, this student, you know, for the second time. And you're like, do you even, are you even here? You know, you come like every three months, right? How, how do you guard your heart? How do you guard your, your mind so that you can prefer one another, even those people? Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, look at it. Therefore, this is Paul talking to the Christians in Philippi, therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the, of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, so he's just saying, okay, if, if, there's any, if there's any way for you, you know, Christians in Philippi, would be an encouragement to Jesus Christ, to your pastor, to me, Paul, right? If there's, any, if there's any love, anything like that, any affection, here's, here's how you do it. Verse 2, make my joy complete. And you're like, okay, how do I do that? You know, if that is going to be encouraging to Jesus, if that is going to be encouraging to my pastor, if that's going to be encouraging to my leaders, if that's going to be encouraging to Paul, you know, if, for them to have joy, how do I do that? Well, it, he tells you. By being of the same mind, think of unity, 
okay? Maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, right? It's unity. It's one, the same, you know, that word. Verse 3, here's how you do it. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, here's where I'm getting the, the principle here of preferring one another, regard one another or prefer one another or put the other person first before you. That's kind of the idea here. Regard one another as more important than who? Yourself. So that new kid is more important than you. That girl who talks too much, she's more important than you. That girl who never talks, she's more important than you. That boy who only shows up every ninth Wednesday, he's more important than you. That's how you need to build relationships, is prefer one another. How do you do that? Verse 4, do not look out for your own personal interests but also for the interests of others. And if you're saying, ah, that's impossible to do. Who can do that? Who can show me how to do that? No one has ever done that. Prefer someone that way. Well, verse 5 actually will prove that wrong. Verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, in, uh, in yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus. If discipleship is to learn God's word so that you can become more like Jesus Christ, here's a way to learn that principle and and become more like Jesus Christ is prefer one another. Right? Have that attitude, that humble attitude of of regarding other people more important than yourself, of preferring one another. That attitude because because Jesus Christ has that attitude. And you might be saying, wow, he's Jesus. You know, and I don't even know when he did that for me. When did Jesus prefer me and regard me more important than himself? When did he ever do that? Well, actually he did. Look at verse 6. Who, all, who although existed in the form of God, did not regard, regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. grasped. Verse 7, but emptied himself, how did he do that? By taking the form of a bondservant or a slave and being made in the likeness of man, you know, like you and me, being found in the appearance as man, like you and me, he humbled himself, there's the regarding others more important than Jesus Christ, you know, preferring others, sinners more important than himself, by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Okay, if discipleship is learning God's word so that you can become more like Jesus Christ, and if Jesus Christ preferred other people, preferred you, sinners, more important than himself, that he died on the cross for you, and you're saying you're all about discipleship, becoming more like Jesus Christ, that's, that's a wonderful thing to copy about Jesus Christ. And that's going to build these relationships in your groups. Okay, so that's that's... That's step number one, prefer one another. Step number two, build up one another. Okay, build up one another. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Okay, because you guys are going to do a lot of talking, you know, in that one hour in your group. You're going to be talking a lot. Your leader is going to be talking a lot. You're going to be talking a lot. Make sure that when you talk, it builds up the other person. Okay, not physically, but spiritually. Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no unwholesome word, literally, literally, the word there is rotten. Let no rotten, stinky word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. I think ESV says building up, right? Building up according to the need of the moment. Okay, you're thinking about it. Okay, Wednesday night, I have one hour. I'm with my girls. I have my leader. You know, we're talking about Genesis. We're also talking about other things, prayer requests, struggles, sin issues, all those things. 
I need to be thinking about what is appropriate for the need of the moment. Does that make sense? There's nine of us or there's three of us. Should I really be talking about, you know, I don't know. Um, whatever is not, you know, for the need of the moment, right? So it makes you kind of think about, about what you're going to say because what you want to say are things that build up other people. According to the need of the moment, here's the purpose, so that it will give grace to those who hear, so that after your meeting, you know, for the rest of the week, you are actually encouraged because you got to be with your group last night. You're encouraged so that it would give grace to those who hear. Last one, number three. So prefer one another, build up one another. Number three, be patient with one another. Be patient with one another. Okay, this is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Be patient with one another. Again, I, I, I'm not sure if you would pick you know, this, the, the group that you're going to be in next Wednesday if you had the freedom to choose whoever you want to choose. Um, but, but you need to trust the Lord that that's the group that you need to be in. And with those people, even with your leaders, you need to be patient. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 14. Okay, Paul says, We urge you, brethren. Okay, I'm, we're commanding you. We're encouraging you to do this. Admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. And what does he say at the end? Be patient with everyone. That means who? Everyone. Okay? If you're saying, oh man, that guy is unruly. Well, there's room for admonishment, but as you're admonishing, you need to also be what? Patient when you do it. Right? Man, that girl, you know, it seems like she needs a lot of help, you know, because she's so faint-hearted, you know. Her parents are not doing well. You know, she's not doing well. She shows up every Wednesday night just, you know, kind of, you know, like, like faint-hearted, like her heart is fainting. She needs a lot of help. And guess what? You're going to help her, right? And then three years from now, you're still helping her. But as you help her, you also need to be what with her? Patient, right? And then, you know, you're going to have that that peer who's going to be, who's going to be um, weak. Try to flip-flop that. You need to encourage the faint-hearted, and then you're going to have that, that peer who's going to be weak. You know, just can't keep up. You know, he shows up. He, you know, he only read one page. Right? He shows up. He forgot his Bible. Right? He shows up. You know, he's just tired. Right? Physically, emotionally, he's been weak. What are you going to do? You're going to help. But you're going to keep doing that and then keep doing that because you are also being what to that peer? Patient. Patient. Here's, here's what's in, interesting about this word patient. You, in, in, in the New Testament, you have the, the word patient. And then there's a synonym also that's called, what do you guys think? Have, maybe you've read it before. Long-suffering. Long-suffering. Now, the word long-suffering is to... To deal with a difficult circumstance, that's long-suffering, right? When the Bible says, be long-suffering, that's typically saying, you know, endure this difficult circumstance. Now, the other word, patient, is to endure difficult, what do you guys think? People, Mariah's right, people. And God is saying, you also need to endure difficult people. So I, I, love, I love those two words because I've never, I've never learned that before. When it says be patient, that's actually really talking about difficult people. Be patient with them. Endure them. When it says long-suffering, you know, long-suffering, it's like, okay, endure, endure this trial. Endure this trial, this difficult circumstance. And God is described as both long-suffering and patient. So that's how you build relationships guys you prefer one another you build up one another and you be patient with one another yes 
Last one, 1 Thessalonians 5.14. Okay. What are the three goals, guys, moving forward, start, starting next Wednesday, every time we meet? Number one is discipleship, right? Number two, study God's Word and remember your homework, right? And number three, build relationships. Simple, right? Is, is, is it going to be easy? No. <laughs> For Ryan, you are, very, you are a likable person, so you would excel in that. We're thankful for people like you. Um, so it's simple but, but difficult, but, you know, again, you're going to look back, guys, when you are in college or even when you're older, and hopefully you're going you're gonna to stay with the same friends, you know, because you, you have been discipled together and studied God, God's Word together, so I'm, I'm very excited. Okay? Uh, let me close in prayer, and then uh, we're done for tonight. Dear Lord, thank you for this, this group of, of young people, of all these students, uh, those who have been here for a while, those who are new, those who are visiting. We are, we are so thankful that you have brought them here. We don't do anything that's clever. We don't advertise. We don't... You don't we don't have any gimmicks to bring young people into our church. Uh, it seems like you, you, you work in their lives so that they would be here. And as leaders, as a pastor, we are just overwhelmed with your kindness because we have students. Uh, we ask, Father, that, that you would Im- embed these principles into our hearts and into our hearts, to our minds and hearts, that we would be all about discipleship, and that we are really hungry and thirsty and really want to learn your word, and that we would, uh, that we would be all about relationships also, um, because that's how you grow us. That's how, that's how you use one another uh, so that we can become more like Jesus Christ. Uh, we are excited for this semester, and we are thankful for the book of Genesis. And I ask that you would save uh, those who are not saved, even, even through this study, um, and those who are in Christ, I pray that you would grow them um, immensely, make them more mature in their faith. Uh, again, we're thankful as a leadership, and I pray that the students are, are very thankful as well. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.